pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you give us another day to gather, an opportunity to be in your house among your people. God, uh, in this time of, of difficulty to be able to rejoice about what you are doing and how you are working, that you love your people. And in the midst of darkness, you give us great hope. And God, that's my prayer for each person who's here this morning, that, that God, you would encourage their heart and give them hope that they would know you. They would know the power of your Son, the gracious gift of the Spirit. God, I pray that as we worship our our worship would be, it would be pleasing to you. That we would not be distracted, but, but that you, we would give you everything, all that we are. God, help us to worship in spirit and in truth this morning. God, as we, we pray for our nation, and God, we see so much anger around us and hurt around us. We, we see division God, we know that you are the one who heals nations. God, we know that healing comes through repentance before you. God, so we pray that, that we and all citizens of our country would, God, would turn from our sin and believe and have hope. God, and then and only then will we experience your grace. God, we pray for those that are sick, some in our midst, others in our community, many, God, throughout the world suffering. God, we just pray for, for healing and comfort. God, we pray that your gospel would go forth to the ends of the earth. From here where we are until the entire world has heard your message, God, we, we pray that we would be faithful in sharing your good news. God, whatever needs are here this morning that that no one is aware of. God, I, I just pray that you would be at work, that you would send comfort and peace, and that, God, your name would be glorified above all as we worship. Lead and guide our hearts, we pray this morning in Christ's name.
Thank you, church. You can be seated. That song was kind of pivotal for me this morning. I'm going to try to get through this song. Um, a few weeks ago, God really got a hold of my heart. And I had to get on my knees. And it was hard. It was so hard to admit that I had problems. And God just met me there. And I was so awestruck at his work. He does so many things for us that we just tend to push aside and don't really recognize or, or give credence to. And this song this morning is talking about how awestruck we are at the work of God. And I just pray that you'll take this moment to worship God in your own way, sitting in the seats and just giving a moment to God before we get into the Word. chasing the rhymes to make but your love is far too great Struck, I'm 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the work that you do in our lives every day. Lord, you show up when we don't. You hold on when we let go. And you're here for us. Father, I pray, just fervently pray, that this morning, as Pastor Michael brings the word, Lord, that you'll open our eyes, you'll open our hearts, you'll open our minds to receive what you have to say this morning. God, you've done so many awesome works, and this is such an incredible book of the Bible, Lord, to study, and I just pray that we won't squander this moment. Lord, I pray that we will be attentive. I pray that our our hearts and our minds will just absorb everything you have to say, and God, I pray that we will find a way, some way this week, to share what you're showing us this morning. Father, we just come to you in worship, in awe. And Lord, just leave us speechless this morning with the way that you move among us. In your holy name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, and I'm glad you come to worship this morning. Um, when I got on social media about the time I woke up, the I think it's the Foothills Weather Network had said that there was rain coming at one to two inches per hour, and I figured, well... I could preach the message twice this week and next because there wouldn't be anybody here, but you have uh, rebelled against the stereotype that Baptists are too sweet to be in the rain. It's feared that we would melt, but you know each other, so you know that's not the case. We're not going to melt. Turn with me in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We've endured rain, pandemics, riots, an election that seems like it'll never get here, and we have persevered. As I shared with uh, uh, some of the folks in the Avery Baptist Association where I had the opportunity to speak briefly on Monday night, um, in, in Jesus' parting words, which we looked at his parting words last week uh, from Acts chapter 1, In his parting words in Matthew chapter 28, he says, uh, the King James, I believe, reads, And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. And what that reminds us of as we're going through all the things that have happened in this year and all the, the things we anticipate happening, what we realize is that it is not yet the end of the age Uh, We are not yet to that point, and what that means is that He is still with us. And what we understand is at the end of the age, we will be then with Him. And so we went either way. He is here with us, 
and will be with us until that time when he sets all things right. And then in that time, we'll not be worried. We'll not be worried about pandemics. There'll be no more elections because we will have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and we will need no election. And we're all grateful for that. Acts chapter 1. I want us to think this morning about the calling that God has placed on our life. The calling that He has given us. I want us to think about that as we read Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick up reading in verse 15. We're going to read through the end of the chapter. And I invite you to stand with me this morning in reverence to God's Word as we read together. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, the Bible says this, In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And said, Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and was lauded his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of all, in the, in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language a keldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms. May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward to Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. You may be seated. As we ended our time together last week, we saw that these disciples have been commissioned to go. God has called them. Jesus has called them to be His disciples and His apostles, and they were to go and share His message with the world that was watching. And we find in the verses just before the ones we've read this morning that those disciples were gathered together... They were of one accord, and they spent their time in prayer. They were unified around that prayer, ready to go into the world and to reach people with this good news that Jesus has come to save sinners. That had been their calling throughout as they had ministered among the people that Jesus went about, as as Jesus ministered to people and, and healed people and fed people who were hungry, 
The disciples had been with him and they had been partners in that ministry. And so it is decided that because one of them has left their ranks, Judas has, has left and betrayed Jesus and turned him over to the authorities, that they will now go and replace him. It is of vital importance that there are 12 of them, at least because one has ran away, one has betrayed Jesus, and so the decision is made that they would replace him. And there are strict criteria which are placed upon the men who they examine. It must be someone who has been with them from the beginning. We often fail to realize this, that that it wasn't just Jesus and his band of 12 that are going around, but there were other disciples, clearly at least two more, because this man is called out because he has been with Jesus from the beginning. Back from the time when John was baptizing until the day where Jesus is taken up into heaven. It is thought that this man and possibly both of these men were part of the 70 that were, again, workers for Christ. Going out, sharing the gospel, and doing the work. Some scholars have said wrongly that the disciples get too hasty here and they should not have replaced Judas, but rather they should have waited because Paul was coming and Paul was going to fulfill that role. But Paul did not fit the stipulations that are here. Remember, Paul was an apostle in a much different way. Paul had been called to a special apostleship by Jesus. He had been met on the road to Damascus. And so he did not fit the criteria and it was not appropriate that he would be part of the twelve. But someone had to fill that role. There was a calling that was there. In two men that we interact with in this text, Judas, the betrayer of Jesus, and Matthias, a man that we know very little about, we see a call placed on their life to be obedient to Christ, to share His good news, to preach His word, but we also see two different responses to that so that's what I want us to look at in our time together this morning. This calling that God has placed on their life and the two responses to that calling. The first thing we see is the calling on Judas's life. We see that Judas participated in the ministry but went to his own place. Judas participated in the ministry, but went to his own place. Peter, in verse 15, calls the brothers together. and he, We see that there are about 120 persons in that company. And he, he tells them that what has happened with Judas was to fulfill the Scriptures. That he has betrayed Jesus. He turned him over to the authorities. But it's interesting because he says there that he, while he became, in verse 16, a guide to those who arrested Jesus, verse 17 tells us he was numbered among us and allotted his share in the ministry. You know, we often don't think about that with Judas. We think about the wicked thing he had done. We think about how he betrayed Jesus how he turned him over to the religious authorities. 
We think about, as described here and elsewhere, the, the gruesome nature of his death. We think about how the Bible tells us, as we just recently went through John's Gospel as a church, that he would, he would pilfer in the money bag and he would, he would take some money for himself. That often his, his righteousness that he presented to other people was, was false. When he said we should save that money, we should prepare to give it to the poor, but he meant we should take it and, and put it in my pocket. But Peter reminds the brothers who are gathered there, who no doubt had witnessed Judas's life, that he had participated with them in the ministry, that he had been numbered among them, and he had had his share of ministry. You know, when you think about that, it's, it's very possible that there were people who followed Jesus because they had they had first heard Judas preaching or teaching or sharing or inviting. Judas had had his share in the ministry. And I don't know what all that looked like. I, I don't know, and, and we shouldn't really speculate about exactly what he had done. And yet we know this is clear. This is what Scripture says. He was allotted his share in this ministry. He had been one of the twelve called out. You know, Jesus could have. He, he certainly could have used someone else to have betrayed him. We know that, that this group was larger than twelve. He could, have, he could have chosen someone else. He could have picked the guy that, that always hung out in the corner. You know, the guy that never really participated. The guy that was always kind of shady anyways. But, but we let him tag along because we're a compassionate bunch. No one would have been surprised if it had been that guy. Oh, yeah, that, that's, of course, that's the guy that did the betraying. But it was one of Jesus' apostles, one of his 12 disciples, who had betrayed him. And when he betrayed him, it led to the death of Christ. But when he betrayed him, it also led to the resurrection of Christ. When Judas had betrayed Jesus and all of the rest of them, it led to this, this moment back in these earlier verses, in verses 12 through 14, where they are unified together in prayer and ready to go and do the work. Judas had done what it had been appointed for him to do. The Scripture had to be fulfilled, Peter says in verse 16, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. He was allotted his share in the ministry. He was numbered among them, but he had betrayed Jesus. For all the good that he had done, for all the positives that he had participated in, he betrayed Christ. He had his share in the ministry, but he betrayed him. He betrayed Jesus. What he did led to Jesus' arrest. What he did ultimately gave him this financial means to acquire a field. A field that was purchased and used to bury the dead. A place where Judas takes his own life. A place where his shame 
leads to his demise. It says that he fell headlong and he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. If you ever think that the Bible could have some type of positive spin on Judas, you come back to this verse. He was part of the ministry, but he was the betrayer. And that ultimately meant that he went to his own place. That's what we see in verse 25. And we need a man, he says, to take the place in this ministry, the apostleship for which Jude, from which Judas turned aside. God had, had brought him into this place in ministry. He had given him this position in ministry. And Judas turned aside to go, Peter says, to his own place. Scholars think that that's a really nice way of saying he turned aside to go to hell. Regardless of the depth of the meaning of those words, he turned aside to go his own way. He turned aside to do it his own way. He turned aside to do what he wanted to do instead of the position that God wanted him to be in. Friends, how frequently do we see this? How frequently do we see this in the church? How frequently do we see this continue to happen today? God calls someone to do something... He, he calls them to himself. He calls them to be a part of his ministry. And so they show up for a little while. But then they go do their own thing. And friends, I'm not even saying they go off and, and, and follow some type of pagan religion. They go off and deny Jesus. I'm saying they decide to do their own thing. Some have speculated over time that Judas, he simply wanted to get the show on the road. That's why he went to the authorities. Because he knew that if he went to the authorities and Jesus got arrested, the revolution would begin. That sounds good, doesn't it? Remember that at the time that, that, that these people are living, they are living under the oppression of Rome. They are living basically as slaves to Rome, having to do what Rome tells them to do. So a revolution would set them free. That doesn't sound so bad. That's not what Jesus was there for. That's not why Jesus came to earth. He did not come to earth to have some type of political revolution. If he did, he did not do a very good job of it. He got arrested and crucified. His followers eventually got arrested and killed. He didn't do a very good job of a political revolution. Judas doesn't get a pass because his decision, regardless of why he made it, Regardless of the influence of Satan on his life, he went his own way. He went to his own place. He ended up in this field, this field of blood, as it's translated out of the Aramaic. He went because, as Psalm 69.25 tells us, may his camp become desolate. He's an enemy of God, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And then from Psalm 109, Peter reminds us, let another take his office, the calling that there would be somebody else who would take his place. Why? Because he does it his own way. 
He goes to his own place. Friends, how often is that happening? God calls someone. They're part of the ministry that God has, but then at some point they see that they can do it a better way. At least they think they can. They can do it on their own. They can do it for their own glory. They can do it for their own power. There was a ministry that God had appointed for Judas. It was to be an apostle who shared the Word of God, who proclaimed it. He tells us, Peter does in verse 22, that that someone they choose must become with us a witness to his, talking about Jesus, a witness to his resurrection. That was the purpose and that was the plan that God had for Judas. And Judas decided to go to his own place. Friends, this is why we should always test and consider the value of someone's ministry based on their proclamation of Christ's resurrection. Not how big their jet is, how much money is in the bank, how big their car is, how, how well-spoken they are. Are they a witness to His resurrection? I give you an example, a heartbreaking one. I shared it uh, with some folks this week. A number of years ago, I was sitting here at the church. A lady came and knocked on the door. I think it was possibly a time where I didn't have Alex or Laura to send to the door. Sue probably wasn't here, so it was me. And you never know what you're going to get at the door. So a lady comes in, older lady go down to the Bollinger Center, we sit down and begin to talk, and she says, she says, uh, Pastor, I want you to tell me about the resurrection. I thought, this is, this is great. It's like the easiest witnessing opportunity ever. You know, normally it's, you know, I'm, I'm on drugs, or my life is hurting, or my marriage is broken, or something, and you've got to get there. But no, tell me about the resurrection. I said, well, I'm glad to do that. I said, what makes you ask that this morning? She said, well, she said, every week at my church, somebody gives a talk on a subject. And I'm assigned in a few weeks to give a talk on the resurrection. And I don't know anything about it. Now I went from joy to heartbreak. You're speaking at your church. You don't know anything about the resurrection. As we begin to talk, I ask her, well, what about your pastor? She said, my pastor doesn't know anything about the resurrection. So for that one Sunday, and I can only promise that it was one Sunday, but on that one Sunday, that church heard what the resurrection was because I wrote that woman's speech to give to her church. But they didn't know what the resurrection was. Friends, if if your church doesn't know what the resurrection was, then what are you doing? My goodness, what what are you doing behind a podium like this with a Bible like this one talking to people like you that don't know anything about the resurrection? Friends, we're missing the point. 
Judas had been called to a ministry where he would proclaim the resurrection of Christ, but he forfeited that ministry and went to his own place. And it cost him everything. Friends, this is a man who had walked with and talked with and ate with and cried with and prayed with and ministered with the Son of God. And he missed the kingdom because he went his own way. Friends, let that never be said of you. That no matter what God leads you to, what He has for you to do, that you miss the ministry God has for you because you get caught up in going to your own place. Why do you think there's so many churches around now? It's not because we desperately need more churches, and we do desperately need more Bible-believing churches, because if everyone who is lost in North Carolina came to Bible-believing churches this morning, there would not be capacity many, many times over. But that's not the reason there are so many churches around us. It is because people decide to do their own thing. And so they get their thing that they get caught up in, and they go do that. They go their own way. Because they don't want to be a part of the ministry of what God is doing. So they would rather talk about politics than the resurrection. Friends, the resurrection tells us what to believe politically. They'd rather talk about social justice than the resurrection. Friends, the only way that we're ever going to have justice in our society is through the resurrection of Christ. Friends, it doesn't matter how many people you vote for or whatever party, they're not going to give you that. They want to go talk about having more money and having stuff that lasts. Guess what? When you die, even if they haul it behind the hearse and throw it in the hole with you, you didn't take it with you where you were going if you don't know and have experienced the resurrection. Because there's no gold bars for you to enjoy in hell. But in the place we're going, they use it to pave the streets. That's how unimportant it is. Judas had a ministry of the resurrection, and he missed it because he did his own thing. He went to his own place. But what did that necessitate for the rest of them? Because remember, he's one, the other 11. What did we find them doing? They had entered, they went up to, verse 13, went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. What were they doing? They were one accord devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. They're all together and they're praying because they've not went their own way. They were told to go and wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came and that's what they're doing. And Peter knows there's a gap here. Jesus appointed 12 of us. We need a a 12th. And so what do they do? Brothers, he says, this is what happened to Judas. So, verse 21. One of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. That's where we get Matthias. What do we know about Matthias? Matthias preached the gospel and Matthias was forgotten. When you go past chapter 1 of the book of Acts, you do not see this man's name again. Now think about that. He is called to be an apostle. 
They do not do this again. So if you drive by a church and somebody says, hey, we got Apostle Billy Bob over here as our pastor, they are lying to you. They do not have Apostle. They may have Billy Bob, but they ain't got Apostle Billy Bob because they didn't make any more of them. Unless Billy Bob can come to you and say, hey, I walked with Jesus from the time that John was baptizing to the day he was lifted up. Or he can show you in Scripture where God called him on the road to Damascus, which are both obviously not true for Apostle Billy Bob. He ain't an apostle. They didn't replace him. When James is killed later on, they don't meet again and replace him. Why? Because he was faithful to the end. What do we know then about Matthias? We know that he preached the gospel and he was forgotten. He preached the gospel and he was forgotten. What do the people do? How do they select one? Well, we're told they put together men of good rapport. They put together good men who have been with them since the beginning. They put forward two. Joseph called Bersabbas, who was also called Justice. And Matthias. Now you notice they didn't just go around and say, okay, we got all these people here. Mm, we're going to pick a number, number seven. Okay, who's number one? Seven. Oh, man. That wasn't a great choice, but that's what we got. They knew the stipulations that God had put on it, they knew what Jesus had said, they knew the type of man that Jesus had called. So they call out these two, and then is when they cast lots. Then is when they have the Lord decide. But they, they take what God has told them, they take what Jesus has taught them, and they use it to select this man who will become one of the twelve. They only put forward men who saw Jesus. They put forward those men who had been with them from the beginning. Back in the time when John was baptized. And remember, many of Jesus' disciples had been John's disciples. They had been with Jesus since John the Baptist had pointed and said, Behold the Lamb of God. They had been with him preparing for that moment when they would follow the one that he was preparing the way for. And so once John said, This is the guy, they said, We're going with him. Do you think John was upset about that? No. It's the whole purpose of why he'd been there, to point to Jesus. So these men had been around that long. They had been around following after him. So they put forth men who had saw Jesus. And then they say, as they pray, Lord, show us the one you've chosen. Do you notice that they prayed again? Now remember, previous verses, what are they doing? They are together and they are praying. And they are praying, waiting on the Lord. And as they pray, what happens? Peter says, listen, we've got to select someone to replace Judas. That is what God is calling us to do. That's what His Word is telling us to do. We need to replace Judas. And so what do they do? They've been praying. They go back and they pray some more. They pray and as they pray, they ask God, God, show us who you have chosen. Show us who you have chosen to take place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside. They pray specifically for what they want God 
to do. They don't say, you know, God, we got a problem. We can't discuss that problem. We don't want to talk about it, but God, you know, God, you know, you know. They don't do any of that. God, show us who you have chosen. God, make it clear. They believe so much in the power of prayer as they pray to the Lord. Lord, you know. You know the hearts of all. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. They're specific about what they want from God. They're specific about what they want God to do. And so Matthias is chosen in prayer. And then we know he is faithful because he is not replaced. We don't find in Acts 16 or 17 or 18 or 25 where they say, well, you know, that Matthias, he didn't work out. And because he didn't work out, God, we got these other two brothers. And we want you to show us which one of them would be a good apostle. And uh, we're going to cast lots and we hope we get it right this time. Or they don't come back and say, Justice, um, brother, we missed it. You know, we, uh, sorry, that Matthias guy, he turned out to be a real loser. And we got to replace him. Friends, uh, tradition says that Matthias went to Africa and preached the gospel and lost his life there preaching the gospel. You know, what's interesting is that Justice as well, the other guy Joseph called Versabas, he was faithful. And he wouldn't preach the gospel. He wasn't upset he didn't get chosen. He continued to minister as God had called him to minister. He continued to go and proclaim the gospel. But these men don't appear again. Matthias doesn't appear again in the book of Acts. He's never mentioned again in the New Testament at all. He goes, he's faithful, and it's forgotten. Friends, that's what we're called to do. That's our role. And that's one of the things about following Christ that is so counter to our culture. Because our culture is all about being remembered. Because when you live in the secular age that we live in, where people do not believe that there is a heaven, they do not believe there is a hell, they do not believe there's any type of afterlife, what do you have? Well, you must be remembered. If you're not remembered, then you're nothing. If you're not remembered, if you're not written down somewhere, if there's not evidence of you, you're gone and forgotten. And that means you're nothing. But that's exactly what this man did. He is one of the 12 apostles of the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible describes a heavenly reward for him. But his name's mentioned two times. Judas's name is mentioned far more than this one apostle. And yet that's exactly what he did. He was faithful. He preached the gospel. And he wasn't written about again. 
Do you understand that that is the calling God is placing on our life? Join in the ministry that He is doing. Join in the ministry that God has taking place in His church. Don't go your own way. Don't go try to do it yourself. Don't go try to make your own way and and have your own way and go to your own place. Set up something nice for yourself. Receive praise for yourself. Don't do that. Listen to what God has called you to do through His Word. Pray that He would use you faithfully. Go being obedient to His Word and be forgotten. Friends, don't worry about making a name for yourself here. Work here in light of what is ahead of you. Because our time here is very short. And we know that among humanity, we have very short memories. People today, kids today, they they don't even know things that happened a few years ago. And I think that's a cycle that just continues. We forgot. We we were forgotten. So don't be worried about what you're accumulating for yourself here. Because here's the reality, Matthias, on that day that he died, he left this world and went into the presence of his Savior, who he had followed from the time of John the Baptist, who he had witnessed resurrected. As he received his reward, there is no doubt that his reward was in abundance. How many hundreds, thousands, and millions of people came to know Christ as a result of the ministry of this man. Because he shared, and no doubt they shared, and and others shared. It's possible that, that some of us are here this morning knowing Christ because this man was faithful in the place that God put him, and the gospel went out from there and has continued on to us today. Friends, that is his great reward. And that's the calling that we have on our life. So this morning, the challenge is this. Will you answer the call? Even though we do not have a calling to an apostolic ministry, and we should not think that we do so, we also join with the apostles in being a witness to the resurrection of Christ. We do not share it in the same way they did. We were not there. But friends, we have experienced the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God. As He has washed our sins away and given us new life in Christ. And therefore, we can go and be witnesses to His resurrection. But let us never be like that. That woman who showed up here. Only because God appointed her to be here. She's driving down the road. I need to find a church. I'm going to stop there. She didn't know me. She's never been to our church. She never listened to a message online. She came here and for one time, at least one time, got to hear about the resurrection. Friends, that's the ministry we have is to proclaim to people who are dying there is a Savior who is alive. And in Him, you can have life everlasting. 
So I challenge you with this this morning. Answer that call. Proclaim His good news. Proclaim His resurrection. Set aside all the other things that you have found to be important. The things that that might bring you joy or the things that might make you excited about ministry. Our ministry is this, sharing the good news. And everything else is secondary. Everything else is unimportant. Everything else is unworthy of our time. We share this good news because Christ has saved us. He's given us hope. When we go into chapter 2, we're going to find that that's exactly what they go and do. Their numbers restored to 12. The apostles go out and they begin to to proclaim this Jesus who you have crucified. He has been raised and God has exalted him to the name above every name. Friends, nothing has changed in 2,000 years. That is still our calling. And so I ask you this this morning. Will you answer that call? Will you set aside doing it your own way? Will you set aside your own priorities and your own preferences to proclaim Christ, to proclaim that He is risen, and to proclaim that He is hope for people who are lost and dying? Will you answer the call that He has placed on us? Follow Him faithfully. And proclaim his good news. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us and care for us. That you've given us hope and compassion. God, I pray that we would never respond to your call by by doing it our own way. by, By going to our own place. How tragic it is to think of this man Judas who who followed you and heard you speak, who no doubt had shared your word, who had listened to your prayers, observed your miracles, but turned from his ministry, the ministry he'd called him to, to go to his own place. Friends, let that not be said of us. Let us be be eager to take up the ministry you've called us to to proclaim your message for our entire life and to leave this world to be with you let it be as simple as that let that be why we exist God I know this morning there are most likely people here who do not know you they've never followed you they're They're continuing to do it their own way. They've never had a ministry with you because they've never followed you to start with. God, I pray that the power of your Spirit would speak to their heart. They would know that their own way does not work, but that your way is good. Your way is perfect. Your way redeems us from that darkness. They would follow you. God, help us to respond to your message. Help us to respond to the challenge. Help us to answer the call and to go and proclaim you to a world that is lost and dying. God, guide our hearts as we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we're going to sing this final song. Friends, if you're doing it your own way, today is is the time to to turn from that and answer His call, to be obedient to His Word. Not to to gain for yourself, but to, 
to respond to how he has called us. Friends, if you don't know him this morning, if you've never experienced the power of his resurrection, today is the day to do so. Friends, time is short. The message is urgent. And if you do not know Christ, if you have never followed him, if you've never turned from your sin, repented of your sin, and believed that he is your Lord and Savior, friends, today is the day to do so. And you can come during this time. I would love to share with you how you can know Christ. Respond to his word. Answer the call. Say, God, I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful to you. Respond as we sing together. you came to worship this morning and I I just hope that as we go the Lord would uh, bless you and keep you that he would challenge you in places where your life is really doing what you want to do and not what he's called you to do friends we we have this responsibility to respond to his call whatever that is you know maybe he's telling you that there's a neighbor that that you need to go and minister to a, a co-worker Maybe you need to be sharing his word more with, with a group of people teaching. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to, to be going more places to share his word, engaged in missions, whatever that is. 
Friends, don't, don't push his call. Don't, don't push it away. Don't do your own thing because there is great joy. Even as frightening as it might be, there is great joy in answering the call that God places in your life. You know, for me, it was so long running when God had called me to, to minister. I knew that. And there was never joy in anything else I did until I listened to him. What's he calling you to do this morning? And will you obey and answer the call? I want to pray together and we're going to be dismissed. Again, I pray the Lord blesses you and keep you this week. I just pray that, that God would work in your life. That you would answer the call and see the joy that's found in obedience to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your grace. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so that the, the debt that we owed could be paid, so that the, the punishment due us would be fulfilled. The, the death that was coming toward us was placed on your son so that we could have life and have life everlasting. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that for each one of us, our, our response would be to answer the call that you have placed in our lives to go and be a witness of your goodness and grace, a witness to your resurrection and the hope that has come. Dead men have been made alive. And we celebrate that as we praise you this morning. God, I pray that you're with each person who is here, leading God their life. Give them hope in the midst of darkness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.